0: well this is not in the schedule so uh but we want to be spirit-led amen so he can interrupt our schedule anytime and uh, this is just a good time if you need prayer and and not necessarily physical I in my spirit for something that you're wrestling with uh, that may not be physical but something else that you just need a smooth path you need Wisdom, guidance and direction, or maybe it is physical or whatever i'm just telling you the holy spirit right now is here and we just want to flow in that spirit so you you come on down and we will anoint we are going to anoint you that's what the bible says in james 5 14 and pray over you and to believe god and then you leaders out there you kind of keep an eye out and help us okay we're going to continue to worship if you feel like sitting down you sit down if you feel like standing up then you can stand up. So right now we're just going to shift into this time as we worship God together. If you need prayer? Come on down now. Would you? Let's go again. Here we go.
1: I saw the Lord Seated on his throne, he was clothed in glory, exalted high. You leaders help us, and the train. They gather round here. Christmas.
0: else I in my heart I want to be sure you're obedient so if you didn't move I'm gonna ask the whole church and those online to wait and don't be embarrassed because it just may be you the miracle is for all right here's what I found usually these are the ones that are the big deals because the enemy fought you to keep you back there wouldn't release you but you can be released so i want to wait one moment here we go we'll wait on you we're going to sing here we go sing the song if you still need to come you come we'll get to you as you get down here would you do that here we go let's worship That's good. Amen. Always feels better when you're led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, your Bibles, uh, your Bibles in the fourth chapter of Philippians, uh, a book that's called the Joy Book, the book that gets you right inside out, a book that challenges your intellect and challenges your decision-making power. And um, so I, I just want to read starting at uh, chapter 4, Paul's writings in Philippians, Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Uh, I, I pled with Udiah and I pled with Senshi to agree with each of you in the Lord. And yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fella, help these women. You have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Do what? Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to everybody or all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything in prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true and noble, and right, and pure, and lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Boy, that's a big order. Or whatever you've learned or received or heard, whatever you've learned, received, or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. That's a pretty tall testimony. Amen. Whatever you've seen, whatever you've heard, and whatever you've witnessed, then you just put it into practice. Because I intend to live, he's lived by this book that we call Philippians. Now, I, I'm, the, the message tonight is just one point after another. We've had the visitation of the Spirit. And hopefully, uh, if, you're a, if you're a person that you like to take notes, you're going to love notes tonight and uh, you're going to be able to go back and pick this message up uh, out of the archive probably by Tuesday night it'll be there uh, and you can get it but I call it Steps to Better so listen with me if you're taking notes this is a good, good notes to take in the flyleaf of your Bible uh, there's always one right there just like that one um, now someone has said so, so pay attention now belief is a habit of mine In which confidence becomes a conviction we embrace. Belief is a habit of mind, which is a confidence that becomes a conviction that we embrace. Now, use your imagination. Our ends are joined with a common link. With one, we sit, with one, we think. This is yard talk. Success depends on which we use. Heads we win. Tails we lose. You're going to be the most aggressive person in the world as it relates to practical abilities, material possession, business, all of those things. But unfortunately even though that our heads and we may move in forward direction at rapid speed far too many times spiritually we just sit. We don't use our head. We're not creative. We don't allow the great potential that God has in us to be used. Friend there is no such thing as a sideline Christian doing the will of God. Christians that are in the will of God don't go to the sideline and stay there. Everybody with me? Now, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. He offered them words of encouragement, and here's what he admonishes them, and he admonishes us here tonight. I want to give you several points. He said, I want you to remain humble. Just remain humble. Here's another. I don't want you to complain. Here's another. I don't want you to place your confidence in flesh, your intellect, your ability, your skill set. I want you to press toward the goal, which is Christ. And everything you do, if you breathe you breathe air, be sure it's to press toward the goal of Christ. And he said, here's what else I want you to do, because you Philippians have a charming way to remember the past in a negative. He said, I want you to forget the past. I want you to put whatever it is that is really gripping you, that has anchored you, that you, you can't move, you want to drift to the sideline, somebody hurt your feelings, somebody didn't look at you right, someone didn't pay attention, they didn't take your advice, he said, put it behind you. And here's why you have to put that behind you. He said, you will never be able to rejoice in the Lord until you put that past where it belongs. And he said, then when you challenge, you are challenged, you call upon the Lord, after everything else call upon the Lord. And then he deals with what he calls their thought life in this book, their thought life. He knew that their success to their spiritual efforts, to their personal efforts and challenges, and their attempted ministry goals would be won or lost. And here it is for all of us. It's won or lost, not by your bank statement, not by your physical report, your medical report, But he said, everything that you live with and moving forward, it's one between your ears well before there is a physical attempt. I think I can. God, I I think you can manage this. And learning how to think, in the process of learning how to think, of course, and use your head Will in fact change the potential for your future, no matter what age you are, regardless of what playing field you live on. In other words, here's what he's saying. With God, all things are possible. But he said it starts between your ears, it starts in your thought process. And then it starts, of course, as you're a child. So let's do a little checkup here. See if you see if you can try this on for size. It says if a child lives with Criticism, he learns to condemn. How do you feel about that? Criticism all the time? What's wrong with you, you little punk? You're not worth anything. You're just like your mama's family, etc. How quick you think that kid is going to feel good about himself? He learns to condemn. If a child lives with hostility, and there's more hostility in families today toward children than you can imagine, he'll learn to fight in a hurry. If a child lives with fear, he learns to be apprehensive. If a child lives with jealousy, he learns to feel guilty. If a child lives with tolerance, he learns to be patient with encouragement. He learns to be confident. This is important. If your child lives with praise, he learns to be appreciative. If he lives with acceptance, I accept you, he learns to love. And if he lives with approval, he learns to like himself, and that's critical. If he lives with recognition, wow, how wonderful is that? He learns to have a good goal in his life. If he lives with honesty, he learns what truth is. If he lives with fairness, he learns what justice is. And if he lives with security, wrap your arms around them. He learns to have faith in himself and those about him. And if he lives with friendliness, he learns the world is a nice place. In which to live. You and I who have children or grandchildren or have had, we understand every single one of those. But let me ask you a question. Can you think of at least one family that you know that this is so foreign to them in some areas that the majority of the challenges they are having with their children is more than one of these are missing. Well, this is not about children, it's about us. So let's talk about that. It's point by point. You're taking notes, maybe. When you change your thinking, then you change your beliefs. Change your thinking, you change your belief. Turn to somebody and see that. When you change your thinking, you change your beliefs. When you change your thinking, you change your beliefs. Your beliefs are going to be changed by the way that you think. Paul gives some insight. Here's what he says to the Philippians, because they're scattered. They need someone to put the glue together and, and make reasonable sense. He said, fix your thoughts on what is true, good, and right. Fix your thoughts on what's good, true, and right. Number one, he says, be positive. Be positive, be positive. It allows you to look for the best in everything. If you find yourselves finding negative negative thoughts, finding negative things, pointing out all the problems, and you do that before you point out positive things, friend, and you do it to say, well, I just tell you, that's, that's just the way I, lo- I look at it. Listen, if that's your habit, that will adversely affect the potential of your future. It's all right to look at the things that might be negative, but pray tell, find the things that are positive first. Amen. Be positive, be creative. It allows you to find ideas when others have quit looking. There is a better way and a better idea if you don't give up. Be bottom line. What do you mean by that? If you look at a mountain and you say, what is the bottom line that I want? I'm going to destroy that mountain. And you look at it and say, there is no way. I don't have the equipment. I don't have the massive land moving equipment. I don't have any dynamite. I don't have any help. Here's how you move it. If you determine, I'm going to take that mountain with one shovel at a time it means that I am moving forward. I am able to prioritize my focus on what needs to be done. Before you will take 10 steps, you have to take one step. And then here's another. Be simple. It allows you to communicate your thoughts. Let me say this simply. Be practical. It allows you to live what you think. Paul said, whatever you've seen, heard or witnessed in me, do it. And then be continual. Be continual. Why? Because it allows you to be consistent in achieving the goal. Paul said, when you focus on what to think, then he says, figure it out, dwell on those things. He says, you will begin to believe there is power through Christ in your thinking. And Paul said, I've proven it because I am fully persuaded that Christ is able. Where's he coming from? stripes of being beat shipwrecked i mean all kinds of things happening and yet he still believes that what happened he injected something in his mind and his spirit to remain positive well here it is when you change your beliefs you change your expectations what do you expect well i don't expect anything to happen it won't and if it does it won't be what you want When you change your beliefs, you change your expectation. You see, belief is the knowledge that you can do something. And all of us have the power to look at something and know whether or not that that we that we can do it. There is power in my belief as an exercise of my faith. God, I believe that you can heal me. And God, I I believe, I know that I have a fever. I I, I know that there's pain in my body, but I believe that you can heal me. There's power in my belief to exercise faith. So Paul says, here it is, and it's recorded in the scripture, with God, all things are what? Possible. All of them are possible. All things are possible. Who's going to believe that? You see, the point is this. I remember that change is possible, and it starts in me, and change is profitable. So if I have a belief system that sets me up to win, sets me up success, there is a pattern that I read in the book in Paul's writings in Philippians. So here are some that motivate you and me every single day. Here they are. God has a plan for my life. Say amen if you believe that. God has a plan for my life. I might find myself in the ditch. I might have missed a curve and went through the fence and hit an oak tree. I might have done all kinds of things. I might have had a blowout, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm going to get up and say, when I get healed up, I'm still going to believe that God has a plan for my life. Even though I went through the curve and went through the farmer's fence and hit the oak tree, there must be something better that God has because I believe that God has a plan for my life. A farmer's fence and a Tree is not going to change the fact my God has a plan for my life. I just missed the curve. Here's another. God wants me to fulfill the plan that he has for me. And you will never fulfill it if you are sitting here. He will help me succeed in that plan and I know God's plan for my life. I can know it. What are you going to do tomorrow? I don't know. I'm going to wake up and do the will of God as best I can. I can experience God's blessing in my life. That's a motivating factor. I know there's blessing out there and I might as well get mine. I I must change to grow in this plan. I must change to grow. If I didn't get here with this plan, I'm going to adopt God's plan. I'm going to change and go. When I grow, my inner circle grows. You can be a loner. You can be isolated. You can sit under the tent of woe and all that, but here it is when you understand your inner circle grows as you reach out to other people. And when your inner circle grows, your circle of influence grows. It grows. Yesterday, Westside Park, the influence influence of Victory Church was there. The influence of Dream Center was there. The influence of Sidewalk Sunday School, 20 to 25 cops took their morning, and they were gathered there. The high, some of the highest officials in the city and in the county were there. Why? Because it's influence that we have, and it grows. You can maul around and say, I don't have any friends, nobody calls me for lunch, then call somebody for lunch. When my circle of influence grows, I have greater potential and God's kingdom grows. It grows. Well, Frank Anderson set up here for months and stream live our services on Facebook. Facebook, right there. There you have it. We, of course, finally got all the equipment necessary to be able to stream it live on the internet. Frank, of course, takes his, now blends with with ours, and there you go. You can't go on Facebook without at least seeing Victory Church. That influence is there, and now there are thousands of people that see it, and you can't go on Facebook without you are going to see Frank. Why? Somebody decided to expand their circle of influence. This gospel can reach all of Lakeland, Florida, if we just believe God. Here it is. Number three, when you change your expectations, you change your attitude. How many of you know someone with a bad attitude? I mean, it's just a bad attitude. It's all right to raise your hand. You know what? If you're sitting beside somebody with a bad attitude, do you think you're raising your hand is going to make them have a worse attitude? No, they already have a bad attitude. (laughs) Give Give them something to really gripe about a bad attitude. Philippians 4.9, whatever you've learned, received, heard, or seen in me, put it into practice. And what when you do, here's Paul, Paul says, I believe this. If you do what I do, say what I said. If you witness and you put that into practice, then the same God of peace that's in my life will be yours. Whether you're shipwrecked, being beaten in jail, you'll have that peace. That passes understanding. Nelson Boswell said, The first and most important step towards success is the feeling that we can succeed. If you think you can in Jesus, say amen. amen. Positive expectation. I believe that I can. Will produce several things. Excitement. Conviction. Desire. Confidence. Enthusiasm. And great influence. So I thought I'd share with you something Lowell Peacock wrote. And here it is. He says attitude, this thing attitude. Attitude is the first quality that marks the successful man. Not a new suit, not a fine meal, not a trip to Disney. But he said it's the first quality that marks a successful man. And if he has a positive attitude and is a positive thinker who likes challenges and difficult situations, then he has half his success achieved and he's done nothing physical yet. On the other hand, if he's a negative thinker who is narrow-minded and refuses to accept new ideas and has a defeatist attitude, he hasn't got a chance. Check yourself out. You see something new, something that maybe is on the edge and too easy for you, and you start in your complaining mode. Hello? Hello? He said, That's something, you see, please understand the New Testament was dramatically different from the Old Testament. Even the way for salvation was different. Jesus started with the Beatitudes and he said, I got to get inside your head. Those old laws that are there, you've got to be able to couch them, understand them. There's only ten that stand through time. It's called the Ten Commandments. But he says, let me share with you some Beatitudes that will in fact help you. It will help you. And I can take you to churches, institutions who never thought it important to be receptive of those things that they may not understand. They are in fact dying Here's what he wrote dying. Bad attitude is Thomas. Hey, Thomas, we saw Jesus. I don't care if you saw him or not, boys. I didn't see him. Well, we saw him. We touched him. He's real, Thomas. Doesn't matter to me. Y'all, not nigh as smart as I am. I'm just a negative bird. I'm going to be labeled Doubting Thomas, but the only way that I'm going to believe that I'm going to believe is for me to see it for myself. Wouldn't you love to live with somebody like that? Just dying to live with them. Narrow-minded, narrow-focused. When you change your attitude, you change your behavior. Whatever you've seen in my behavior, is what Paul says in Philippians 4.9, Whatever you've seen in my behavior, then do it. William James says that which holds our attention determines our actions. What holds my attention determines my actions. And when your attitude is positive, you choose to think that your behavior will be positive and aggressive. It's called whatever it takes. Now, the whole goal in life, and, and I ask you to see how you feel about this. How many of you know that the whole goal for most people who are good achievers and enjoy success and grow in God have a positional mindset to move forward? May I see your hand? Move forward. All right, we learned. Let me ask it one more time because some of you are just sitting, all right? Some are one more time. You think the goal is I need to move forward. May I? That's good. That encourages me. <laughs> We're going to move forward. Now, do you think that it takes more effort? Well, let me ask this. Um, see, I'm, I think when I'm preaching. So let me ask this question. Do you think that I spend more energy doing that? Do I spend more energy doing that or doing this? You think I spend more energy going backwards? You think I spend less energy going forward? Well, let me ask you this question. Why is it so hard to be positive and go forward when what the enemy wants you to do is to expend more energy and be negative and be going backwards? How do you go from going backwards and going forward? You change gears. Amen? You change gears. And this is the whole message for Paul because he saw the church at Philippi in reverse, he saw them developing an attitude that was not positive. He saw them developing a woe is me attitude. He saw them developing uh, a process of thinking that was not beneficial for forward movement. And he steps in and he says, hey, shipwreck, I said, hey, moving forward, Beaten, moving forward. Imprisoned, moving forward. Told not to preach, that's good. Moving forward, moving forward. If you adopt the moving forward attitude, your life will change in a tremendous way. I call it the Rebecca principle and Isaac, of course, Genesis 24, after she'd given him a drink she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they finish drinking. She had no business getting him water, but she thought, wow, since I'm here at the well, I might as well Get enough water, not only you, for all your animals, because they've got to have something to drink. I want to move forward. I don't want to stand here twiddling my thumbs. I'm moving forward by the grace of God. And listen, church, some of you need to change gears and make your mind up and shift it into forward movement and don't ever put it back into reverse. Keep it that way by the grace of God. Well, When you change your behavior, you change your performance. Change your performance. Philippians 4.11, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have what? Said out loud, learned. I've learned to be content whatever the what? What is he saying? My motivation that encourages or discourages me is not out here. It's not out there. I believe, I read an article or read just a phrase the other day. It says that, uh, i trying to remember who it was. It said, when you're confronted with the Goliath, it's only to call the David out of you. I like that. When you see a Goliath, it's because God said, There's a David in you, come out of there. Amen. There's a Goliath. I like that. That's forward progress. Amen. So here it is content in circumstances, learn to be content. Paul exhibits that tremendous truth. I've said it. He's prisoned, beaten, emotionally abused. In the natural, he had every reason. I quit. I quit. I am a done, I quit. What are you going to do then? Quitter? You want that label? No, find a way. God will make a way where there is no way. Find a path. Reduce that mountain down to bite size. Take a shovel, reduce it down. Well, I got problems with my kids. Well, guess what? They were born with it. Because they have you in them. Because your kid has your negative DNA, does that mean they have to be negative? They will be negative in the propensity for that to happen unless you change and say, and I don't want my kid to be negative like I was or the way I was raised. I want him to be positive. And God, I acknowledge that. Help me, Jesus. And he will. Y'all not saying much, but anyway. This is a message. I've learned, he says, that it's a process. It requires positive thoughts. It, it calls for mature decisions. It looks beyond the present. It, to be content, he says, I've learned that no matter what the circumstances, no matter what I, I see. Now, if you're in ministry and you've been in the church for a while, you got beat up. And the worst beating that you can get is a brother or sister in the Lord. You know what? And that, well, I don't mean to I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but I got to tell you something. <laughs> I didn't li- I didn't like you preaching this morning. Well, good, brother. Now my carnal nature says find somewhere else to go, but I don't say that. <laughs> Cause I want everybody right here. I don't want to be the reason you slip and fall. Well, what is it that you have an issue with? What was it that was stated? Maybe I can spend a little more time on the point and, and bring about a truth that just maybe you didn't get. Help me out. You know what I just did? I said, let me give you a reason to get beyond your apprehension. And as a shepherd, that's what you do. If you have an opportunity, a life to be content. He chose to be led by what he knew rather than how he felt. How do you feel? listen to his thought. I can do everything through him that gives me strength. Paul said that's what I believe. I believe it with all of my heart. And when you change your performance you change your life. Changes your life. Life itself can give you, cannot give you joy unless you really want it. Life just gives you time and space. That's what life does. Gives you time and space. And God gives you the privilege. How are you going to fill up that time and that space? You get to choose. You get 24 hours a day. You get to choose how you fill that up. You go to your office, change it. Starts with you. You got family reunions, only thing you like is the food. Most of us, that's the way it is. Have you noticed there's no real homemade fried chicken at family reunions anymore? (laughs) Have you noticed that? And don't you know that we are smart enough to know when they go to KFC or they go to Popeye's and they take it out of their box and put it in their bowl that we know that it's Popeye's? <laughs> don't, you think, don't you think that we are smart enough to know that? <laughs> Most people fail to see the ongoing nature in life. I worked hard most of my life in ministry. I've given 100 uh, percent. Sharon's given 110 percent. All my life in my ministry. There were times I felt like a second-class citizen. I I went through the emotion. You heard me say it before. My father was he wasn't a deacon till I was actually in ministry. My friends all had daddy preachers, daddy preacher granddaddies, great granddaddies preachers, built 459 and a half churches and yada, yada, yada. How many my family built? (laughs) None. You know? My first church with the seven people, there was a pastor that was running about 250 and graduated there from Southeastern. He would always greet me. He was about 10 years older than I was, How are you doing? How's your little church there in Bradenton doing? You know what? I I wasn't totally sanctified back then. Matter of fact, I'm still about that far away. (laughs) I wanted to say back to him, How are you killing your church? But I didn't. Say amen if you're glad about that. (laughs) So, all of those things. I remember crying lying across the bed on Wednesday afternoon, coming from work, to preaching Sunday and visitation and whatever else. God, you need to speak to me. We got church. It was as important to me if it was just Sharon and was alone, and there were others that started coming, but it didn't matter. Why? Because I I felt, I felt called. To that task. And I had to over, overcome it. So when you're, you have to fight in the creative formation of your spirit man, and you have to fight because some season of your life has changed, and you have to fight when circumstances that you cannot control choke you down, you still have the ability to make a decision for yourself to say. That's what the devil meant. There is a David in me and there is a Goliath that's calling me out. So God, here's what I want to do. I want to know that life has curves and, and, and all of that. Isabel Moore said life is a one-way street. No matter how many detours you take, none of them leads back. And once you know and accept that, life becomes much simpler. Have you ever decided to go back home? And home, is yard talk, home don't look like it used to look when you were being raised. The house shrunk. Hello? It's not home anymore. Some of you left home long ago, you don't want to go back. You understand, I want to go because life may circle around but it's not going to take me back. Number two, most people make cosmetic changes. Cosmetic changes. Merle Norman. Isabella Torres. Oh, this stuff will take your crow's feet away. It will cause the wrinkles to go. The cellulite will disappear. You will never have to shave again. It will take the hair out, the frockles out at the root. Why you do all that? Just let it be natural. <laughs> Cosmetic changes. I am grateful, and you men weigh in here, I am grateful that women like to dress up and make up. How about you?) <laughs> Let me let me ask this question. I'm wrapping up. We're getting ready to go. How many men you've, you've never seen your wife in the natural form? I mean, she won't let you see her till she's got her makeup on, her cool salve on, her eyelids, her eyelashes, her earplugs, all that. How many, how many you've never seen your wife in the natural? God bless you. How many appreciate how many appreciate the cosmetic look? May I see your hand? That's right. God bless. Some of you don't know what to do. So here we go. Stand to your feet. We're done. Emerson said people are always getting ready to live, but never living. Always getting ready to live, but never living. We change our talking, that's a cosmetic change, instead of our thinking, that's cosmetic. We change our environment instead of our expectations, that's cosmetic. We change our agenda instead of our performance, we change what we read instead of our beliefs. Most people focus on desired results of life without being willing to change themselves until the Holy Spirit helps us we will remain the same and remaining the same is not good enough amen it's not good enough I have watched some of you face great challenges in your life loss of loved one loss of children and I have been impressed by the way that you've risen and continued I'm impressed with Victoria Hague. She's told me earlier that she only has three gray hairs. That woman's gone through so much, she ought to have a head full of gray hair. But she's here tonight, and I promise you she's in pain, and I promise you his chemo and all that's going with it is a real challenge. But you know what? I'm impressed by that, and so is God. I'm impressed with her parents who said, That's our daughter. We're going to change our residential location and we're going to go be with her so that we can love on her and her kids. I'm impressed by that. I'm impressed with people like Frank who went through a tragic, heart-rending divorce. And you haven't let that slow you down. And I've watched your heart break and heard you and followed you. But you still are here every time the doors are open. Every time I look around Facebook, I said, My Lord, how many miles do you put on your car? Because I see you from stem to stern. Still carrying on. I believe that. I'm impressed with Jim Campbell, individuals like him who who is a minister in a powerhouse ministry. And then who in the how in the world could we do without the Joy FM and all the radio stations that they have? Because they said, Hey, you know, let's go. I'm, imp- I'm impressed with things like that. Those of you that have gone through those kind of trials, that's positive. I'm impressed with Fred McDaniel back there, who was a preacher of the gospel for 290 years. <laughs> a minister of the gospel, you'd think he'd get sick and tired of church. Pastor of the great church in O'Calla and so many others. But you know what? He's got a daughter and a son in law, and he's got grandchildren. So he's not pastoring a church anymore. So wouldn't that be neat if he were to say, well, I'm not pastoring, so I'm not going to church. When the doors of this church are open, you look back there or up there or over there, wherever he's told to sit (laughs) at any given service, Fred is going to be here. Come on, somebody. Amen? That's just the way that it is. I'm impressed with Rubel. Rubel is cantankerous and mean. And every Sunday morning, she sits right there just to upset us. I know that. And then Sunday night, she's over here. But listen, when the doors of this church is open, she's here. I'm impressed with Doug English. Doug and the loss of Clara, what, eight months ago? about eight months ago. But you know what? You won't find a person with a more positive attitude. You know, loving Jesus, his, his oldest daughter, blind, and now living in Bradenton, and just all that's going along with it. What I'm trying to tell you that sometimes life, life will hand you difficult circumstances, but you change and you study that word, and you'll go far. I'm impressed with my daughter Lori, who's gone through surgeries and difficulties, and said to me one time, Dad, how much more do you think I have to go through? And she's a fighter. If you get in her way, you'll get run over. That's her. She's so much like other members of the family. But she's here. And we watched her cry and cry out in pain. And others of you that I know, you've been hurt and bruised and bent, but you have never broken because Jesus. Amen. Is real. Father, and we thank you for all of your love. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you because we know that you care for us. And some may have some mountains that they have to take down, others may have a closet full of Goliaths. Others may be facing financial challenges and the books and the business look a little. A little reddish. If that's the case, give us the first love that we had when we first started the business. That nothing was impossible. That we're going to build that business. We're going to go out and get the income. We're going to go out and get those people to need our services. Let that kind of spirit prevail, Father. Never give up. Never throw your hands up. Never let anyone trip you up. Never let anyone hurt you enough that causes you to turn back. Just love on them and move forward. God, I thank you for this congregation of people. Minister and meet every single need. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, we had prayer earlier, but if you need prayer, maybe over some need, we're going to have a couple of altar workers that will be here. You can come on down. We'll pray for you then. Otherwise, in Jesus' name. In the love of God, get out of here, okay?